Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the chief baker's dream as we pick up in Genesis chapter 40, verse 18. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And within three days, the Pharaoh will lift your head from off of you, and he'll hang your body on a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And so it came to pass on the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast to all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler to his butlership again. And he gave the cup into the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Your opportunity of getting free, but forgotten. And so for two more years, he languishes in the dungeon. How long Joseph was in, a, in the jail for the total period of time, we don't know. But we do know that from the time that he was sold as a slave to his standing before Pharaoh was 13 years. Hey, that's an awful long time to be in those conditions of a sl- as a slave and a prisoner, both for causes beyond yourself, things you haven't done. It shows a little bit of Joseph's faith, unswerving faith in God. Many people, when adversities come, they begin to slip. They begin to question. They begin to doubt. If those things don't work out just exactly like they think they were supposed to have worked out, they begin to murmur against the Lord and challenge God. Surely there is a remarkable insight into that steadfastness of Joseph in this whole experience. Now it came to pass at the end of two full years, that is after Joseph said, don't forget me, pal. Oh, I won't. At the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, behold, he stood by the river, and there came up out of the river seven well-favored cows, fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river. They were ill-favored, lean flesh, and they stood by the other cows upon the bank of the river. And the ill-favored and lean flesh cows did eat up the seven well-favored and fat cows. So Pharaoh woke up. And he went back to sleep, and he dreamed again the second time. And behold, there were seven ears of corn. Now, uh, the, the top of the corn was, uh, the top of the wheat, uh, where that, there are all these little kernels, that little straw thing at the top, was called corn. It was called the corn of wheat, that top. You remember it says the disciples were going through the fields of corn on the Sabbath day, and they were rubbing the corn in their hand. Well, it isn't corn like our maize kind of corn or sweet corn, golden man or whatever. Uh, it's that corn of wheat. And they would take it when it was dry, rub it in their hands because you rub the, the hull off, blow it out, and then you can eat it. And uh, 
it's, it's good to eat. I like to eat wheat uh, just fresh from the field that way. You just take and rub the corn or the top of it in your hands to get the hull off and blow it out and then eat it. And so that's what the disciples were doing when the Pharisees found fault with them. So this is actually, uh, instead of corn, don't think of post-hosties or that type of corn with this, but think of the wheat. It's that little thing with all the kernels of wheat and the little straws going up from it that is referred to here. So in your, uh, some of your other translations, it might read wheat, and that's why, because in reality it is what they called the corn of wheat, but it's that top of the wheat. And so there were seven ears of corn that came upon the one stalk, and it was rank and good. And behold, there were seven thin ears, and they were blasted with the east wind that sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven full ears, and Pharaoh woke up, and behold, it was just a dream. And so it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt. And the wise men, and Pharaoh told him his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. And then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, Oh, I remember my faults today. Pharaoh was angry with his servant, and he put me in jail, the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed dreams one night, both of us, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there a young man who was a Hebrew. He was a servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man, according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us. And so it was. Me he restored to my office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And so Joseph shaved himself, because that was the custom of the Egyptians, actually. They were a very clean people, and so he had to shave, change his clothes, stood before the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. There's none that can interpret it. I've heard them tell of you that you can understand dreams and interpret them. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it's not in me, but God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love that. Here, Joseph is brought before the Pharaoh now because of the fact that he had interpreted dreams. And the Pharaoh says, hey, I hear you can interpret dreams. None of my men could do it. And Joseph said, it isn't in me, but God shall give you an interpretation of peace. That's beautiful. He's not ready to take credit for God's work. And it's always a sad day when people try to take credit for God's work. It's always dangerous when you take the bows for God. Jonathan smote the Philistines with a great slaughter, and Saul blew the trumpet in Israel. Saul was going around to get the glory. Hey, don't try to touch God's glory. Don't try to take God's glory. If God uses you, be thankful and give God the glory and the credit that God used you. But don't try to tell us how smart you were or how wise you were or what a tremendous program you devised. Give the glory to God for the work that God does. 
The same thing happened with Daniel when he was brought before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, can you give the interpretation? He said, there's a God in heaven who knows all things, and he will give the interpretation to the Pharaoh. Daniel wasn't about to take credit for God's work. Joseph here, no wise taking credit for God's work, and I, I admire him for this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I stood upon the bank of the river, and he repeats the dream to Joseph about these seven fat, beautiful cows grazing and these seven lean cows coming up and eating up the fat ones. That must have been a weird dream. These skinny old cows eating up these fat cows. But then the other was just as weird because then there were these beautiful shocks of wheat and these blasted, withered shocks of wheat and the wheat starts eating up the other wheat until there's just nothing but the skinny blasted ones left. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, verse 25, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. It is interesting that these dreams came in pairs. Joseph, his first dreams were in pairs. First of all, it was the sheaves that bowed down to his sheep, then the sun moving his stars bowing down to him. With the butler and the baker, the two dreams, they came in pairs, each of them the three, one three baskets, one the three branches. And now this dream of the king is in pairs, both of them having to do with seven, seven fat and seven lean, and the lean eating up the fat. So the seven thin and ill-favored cows that came up after them are seven years. Well, actually, the seven good cows are seven years, seven good ears are seven years, the dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored cows that came up after them are seven years, the seven empty uh, ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. And this is the thing which I have spoken unto the Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he is showing unto the Pharaoh. In other words, God is giving you an insight in about what's to happen. It is interesting that God did give to these pagan rulers, monarchs, insights into the future. God gave to Nebuchadnezzar a marvelous insight into the future by dreams interpreted by Daniel. I imagine just because of their position. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all of the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto the Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. God gave it to you twice in order that he might establish it. That's the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word established. And so God gave the second witness to assure the truth of the thing. And it will shortly come to pass. Now therefore, now here's the, the young slave prisoner standing before the Pharaoh of Egypt, and now he's giving advice to the Pharaoh of what to do in order to save the land. Now therefore, young fellow here, just 30 years old, let Pharaoh look out a man who is discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up 20% of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Now, in Egypt, they, they used to just, uh, the taxes were 10%. So double taxation during these good years. Let them be taxed 20% to 
during the good years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up the wheat under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep the food in the cities, that the food shall be for a store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt when the land, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? He said, Find a man wise and discreet can do this. He said, Hey, you're the wisest one I can find. Now, I don't think Joseph was pushing for a job uh, when he was advising the Pharaoh, but yet the Pharaoh recognized the quality of the fact that the Spirit of God was in this man. He could see something different. And what a difference the Spirit of God makes. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has showed you all of this, there is none as discreet and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. And he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. So Joseph was given a chariot right behind the pharaohs, men going beside the chariot crying to the people, bow your knee as Joseph went by. Those that see in Joseph a type of Jesus Christ, see Jesus here in Philippians chapter 2. In the form of God and thought it not robbery or something to be grasped, to be equal with God, but he emptied himself, took upon the form of man and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. The knees being bowed, they see the exaltation of Christ who was rejected by his brethren, but who will rule one day over the world. And so Joseph's being exalted. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Pania, uh, which is a Coptic word which means the revealer of secret things. And he gave him as his wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, isn't it interesting how clear is our hindsight? As we look back on the trials of our lives and those hard places that we came through, 
when we were crying out to God and saying, oh God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the cry of my roaring? God, I pray day and night and you don't hear. Lord, where are you? And we thought that surely God had forsaken us and God wasn't concerned with us and surely we were going to perish in the wilderness. But now as we look back, we see how God was just working out his perfect plan all the way along. Years ago, when we were pastoring in Tucson, Arizona, we were just coming to the place where the church had begun to grow and there was an excited group, a young fellowship, and, and things really were, were, were beginning to just blossom. When the bishop in the church called me and said he wanted me to take a church in Corona. Well, I had mixed emotions. If I came to Corona, I'd be near home because my parents were still living in Santa Ana where I went to high school. And so I thought, wow, it'd be nice to be that close to home, get to see, you know, my family more often. And the church in Corona was quite a bit smaller than the church was now in Tucson that had really begun to blossom out. But I thought, oh, it's just a matter of time. We'll go into Corona and, you know, we'll sparkle there and the church will grow. I, I still had confidence in my abilities in those days. Corona is where the Lord began to whip out some of the confidences, I'll tell you. That was, that was a miserable two years. We started out with 16, and we ended up with 16 at the end of two years. <laughs> but he, the bishop was assuring me that as soon as he got me in his district that he would move me into a church of equal size to our Tucson church. And, and with these promises and so forth, we, we leaned upon the word of man and we decided to come. And after two years of hard labor and no results, I wrote him, reminding him of, him of his promise. And I received a letter back which was informing me that because nothing had happened there, that I really wasn't deserving of any uh, larger church and that anyhow I'd have to wait till some pastor died or whatever before I could move up. So I wrote him back and said, I really didn't have time to wait for a pastor to die. <laughs> and I resigned from the ministry, figuring to, well, I got a laundry route for a while, and I was just figuring to get whatever I could. As far as work, support the family, I was pretty discouraged at that point. But while we were in, the, in Corona, we met a young couple. They didn't come to our church but his mother did. She was a very spiritual, godly woman. She used to spend a lot of time in prayer with us and encouraging us. And we kept in touch with this woman through the years. Well, there were some changes, and there was a division of districts, and a new bishop came in, and 
he came to me and said, hey, I would like to see you back in the ministry and offered me a church in Huntington Beach, which we took. And we spent five wonderful years in Huntington Beach, close to the surf. And, you know, it was nice. Church was small enough that I could go surfing in the morning and take care of the church duties in the afternoon and really enjoy it. And we were seeing some marvelous blossoming forth and growth in the church there when this bishop asked me to go out and take a church in Los Serranos under very difficult circumstances. The pastor who had started the church in Los Serranos and had been there from its inception was discovered to have been a homosexual and had been a uh, engaging some of the young boys in the church in the practices, and they was discovered. And so uh, the church was just at that, you know, it was, it was just broken and going to pieces. And so the bishop asked me if I wouldn't please go out and see if I couldn't minister to the people to help put things together. So under great pressure from the Lord, not the bishop, because he gave me the privilege of praying about it and giving him a yes or no answer, return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 40 through 41 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you. And may the word of God dwell in your hearts richly through faith and being rooted and grounded. May you come into a broader comprehension of the fullness of God's love. May he watch over you. and May he keep you with his arms of protection and love. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed 
changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673. 